Hey there, this is Roy Orbison Jr. Welcome to Roy Orbison Jr.'s Rock and Roll Circus Podcast. Today's episode is called RKO and RPO. That's Roy Orbison and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. We'll be talking about the album, A Love So Beautiful. The album was released November 3rd, 2017 by Sony Legacy, and especially by our Sony Legacy UK team. I met them last uh, week, and they've done such a great job. I just want to thank everyone down there at the office. This album is primarily aimed at the UK and Great Britain. Roy has done fantastically there over the years, and there's so much love for my dad. We're kind of copying an album that Elvis Presley did in 2015 called If I Can Dream. That album was produced by Don Reedman and Nick Patrick. And the next year, 2016, they did another Elvis album, The Wonder of You. After that, they contacted us. And 2017 is Roy's year with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Those two guys, Don and Nick, great friends, very funny, and supremely talented. They both have different gifts that they brought to this, but they've honed their craft and developed a market for these Royal Philharmonic Orchestra albums. The album is doing great. It's set to do fantastically. The first single was I Drove All Night with Ward Thomas. 23-year-old twins from the UK. They say, they say they're country music, but it's very poppy. It's Lizzie and Catherine. They did a great job singing the duet with Roy. And that song charted at number 28. It was number one on the BBC Two radio playlist. And it did fantastically well. The second single is coming out right around now, and that is Love Hurts. A lot of people are surprised that Love Hurts was first recorded by Roy. It was the back of Running Scared in 1960. Running Scared was a number one in both the United States and the UK. Roy hit number one with Love Hurts, which was also recorded by the Everly Brothers around the same time. But the song was written for Roy Orbison by Boudlow Bryant. Boudlow and Felice were Roy's friends, and part of the reason that Roy moved to Nashville was because of these great songwriters. They wrote All I Have to Do is Dream uh, by the Everly Brothers. They wrote this song, Love Hurts, specifically for Roy, though. Roy was living at their house at the time, and because the Everly Brothers had the same publisher as Roy and Boudlow Bryant, they also got a shot at it. Later in the 70s, the song was done by Nazareth, and that is the version that everyone in England and around the world loves, the kind of scratchy-throated version. Roy's is still the best and the original. And this is going to be really fun to see what happens with Love Hurts by Roy Orbison and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra in 2017. After that, we have a Christmas song, Roy's only Christmas song, Pretty Paper, which will be the Christmas time single. Hopefully there will be a fourth single of A Love So Beautiful and even a fifth single later on, maybe closer to April, when the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra will be touring with Roy Orbison as a hologram, presenting these songs. Roy and RPO, as we call them, is a match made in heaven. It's a 75-piece orchestra. Every one of those people is a master at their instrument and has put in years of sweat and hard work. 
They're all so good, I could watch any one of them alone, but altogether, they're unstoppable. They've got a wide range. They can play jazz or country, as well as classical. Recently, they did the Jaws soundtrack, and I missed that show, but I, when I saw that, I thought, oh, these guys do everything. And the reason that it's such a good combination is that Roy invented orchestral rock back in the 60s, the kind of music that was taken up by Queen or Jeff Lynne, and the dramatic invention came about on a specific song called Uptown. Roy asked Fred Foster if he could have strings on the song Uptown, the song Uptown being about being uptown. He thought the strings would make it kind of more sophisticated and more uptown. Uh, he asked for strings. He thought Fred Foster couldn't deliver. Fred went out and found a, a violin teacher and her two students, brought them in. Everyone else in Nashville at the time played fiddle, so it was more country style and uh, kind of weepy bluegrass style was, uh, was what was popular in Nashville. Those strings sounded like a whole orchestra back on Uptown, and Roy continued that through all of the big monument hits. There's great orchestration in, in Dreams and Crying, Only the Lonely. Roy later in the 70s toured with up to a 16-piece band behind him, but to hear 75 people, the sound is so big. And when you redo some of these old songs, you run the risk of damaging something or meddling a little bit. But you also have the opportunity to add something. And there is something added to these songs. When you listen to them, the first 15 or 20 seconds, you don't know which song it is. And it's kind of a game. Oh, what, which one's this? Which one's this? Oh. Oh, it's Drove All Night. And they did a great job. These songs are now set up to last another 50 years into the future as classics on their own. The packaging for A Love So Beautiful is great. It's gray with the orchestra behind Roy standing like the Statue of Liberty holding his guitar. When you turn it over and you see the list of songs, you might think that it's a greatest hits package because you know all of these by heart. In Dreams, Crying, Oh Pretty Woman, Dream Baby, Love Hurts, Mean Woman Blues, Only the Lonely, Running Scared, Drove All Night, You Got It, on and on and on. What we did was we took Roy's voice and isolated it and dropped all the backing tracks and rebuilt the tracks from the ground up. In a couple of cases, we used the, the old parts or a guitar solo or some little part. And a lot of the background parts did bleed through on the vocal, but they did a great job isolating the vocal and what you're hearing is completely new. New drums, new guitars, new everything. On a song like Pretty Woman, Oh Pretty Woman, the greatest rock song ever written, Alex and Wesley and I had the opportunity to play on it with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and Roy Orbison, and we jumped at that opportunity. To play with my dad is the reason that Wesley plays guitar, I play guitar, and Alex plays drums. To play together is our big lifelong dream as well, and we, we got to achieve both of those. Our parts were recorded in the Roy Orbison U.S. Studios here in Nashville. They have a new name now, but they were written by Roy, and it's a place that Wesley and I grew up a little bit in Nashville. So to go back into those rooms with my brothers, I felt Roy, I said, he's here. If he's anywhere, he's here right now with us. And then to, he and then to hear him over the headphones and play along with that great song, 
We layered down quite a few guitars. I played a Gibson ES-175 through a Fender Deluxe Reverb, and we just took kind of middle settings because we wanted it to be about what they would have done in 1964. Wesley Orbison, he played a 12-string acoustic guitar to kick off the song, that great riff. And that's the way that they did the original. They layered guitar after guitar. Each pass, you hear another guitar. Until by the time Roy starts singing, there's about six guitars on on that out, on that one song. So we later layered Les Paul and Fender guitars on there and played a whole army of little guitars. Alex is a great drummer. He's our favorite drummer, and he did a wonderful job. We filmed it. There's a beautiful video, and on the video you will see our secret surprise, which is Roy Orbison III. My son, little baby Roy III, was 10 months old, and he played the opening notes that you hear on Pretty Woman on guitar, and also the tambourine on the part that breaks down where Roy says, wait, what do I see? Then you hear this, tat, 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 and he's hitting the tambourine. So he's got two little parts on there. We're trying to get him into the Guinness Book of World Records as the youngest guitar player on a hit album. And uh, he was 10 months old. He's now 20. He's developed a lot on guitar. But we tuned the guitar to open, we tuned a Stratocaster to open E. And the song Pretty Woman begins in the key of E. We put it through a Marshall stack in the other room, turned it way up, had him just, gave him a guitar pick and let him go to town on it. And uh, the results were fantastic and very fun. And in the video, you see him playing, so you know it's him. And at the end, he does a little mic drop. He drops the mic to end the song. So I love the video, and please take a look at that. I think there's a connection in the blog that corresponds with this uh, podcast. Every week or two when we do these podcasts, there's a blog that goes along with it. And uh, so be sure to check those out as well. There's usually pictures and links that aren't included in the podcast. Roy Orbison Jr.'s Rock and Roll Circus blog is what we're calling it. There's a saying that developed in Britain back in the 60s and 70s. There is only one Roy Orbison. On A Love So Beautiful, Roy Orbison with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. We have three Roy Orbisons on the one song. Three generations of musicians. My dad, my brothers, and my son. And so it's a family affair and we've updated it in what I hope is a way that would make Roy proud and smile. RPO, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, recorded their parts in Abbey Road Studio Room 2, the Beatles Room, in London, England. I was just there last week, and it was beautiful to see. We walked across the street, and Wesley and Alex and I did a little pose where we do the, the Beatles pose. You have to wait in line. We had to wait in line. Fifty people ahead of us wanted to do it, and it stops up traffic. I've heard they're turning it into a museum, which should be exciting. I can't wait to go, and hopefully the general public will be able to go in and see where this magic happened in the next couple of years. A side pitch is that we're opening the Roy Orbison Museum in Nashville, Tennessee in the fall of 2018. We're opening right beside the Johnny Cash Museum, and so we're in good company, and we hope that you're going to enjoy the museum as much as we've enjoyed building it. We're still working on it. We've been working on this for 10 years. My mother Barbara started it, and we've had several locations, and it kind of fell through or wasn't the right circumstances. But now we've got all the pins lined up, and we're going to knock them down. So hopefully the Roy Orbison Museum will be the best music museum in the world, and we're really excited about that.
But back to the main thrust of this podcast is A Love So Beautiful. That song was written by Roy Orbison and Jeff Lynne and included on the Mystery Girl album. There's also You Got It on this album that was written by Jeff Lynne and Tom Petty and Roy. It includes the bonus track Pretty Paper that I was mentioning and the bonus song Drove All Night. We have a version of Drove All Night with just Roy singing for the people who want more of the original. But it's been just such a fun labor of love and everyone involved did such a great job. We're hoping for a big success with this one. It's doing really well so far. Last time I checked, it was number one on Amazon in the UK, and it was number two on the national charts. And we did lots of press and newspapers, and we did some great magazines. Everyone was very, very nice to us. We started in Los Angeles at the Grammy Museum and had a great night there. Then we went to New York where we did an event at the Gibson Showroom. We flew down to Austin, Texas, where we did the ACL, Austin City Limits Hall of Fame. We went back to Nashville and did a book signing where we pushed RPO a bit and signed some of those and talked about it. Then we went to the UK for a full week. After England, I flew to Sweden to go meet with Sony Sweden to see how the album could be placed there and met a great friend of mine, Anders Baga. He's a big-time producer, and I think he's interested in doing A Love So Beautiful for Swedish release or maybe a more modern release for Europe soon. So stay tuned for some surprises there and maybe another great song off this album. Alex and Wesley and I just got back from the UK. One day we did 24 15-minute interviews in a row for the BBC with only a five-minute break in between. So three an hour, we were there all day, like 10 hours. While we were in the UK, we visited a lot of beautiful places that my dad had been. One of those was the place where he recorded the song Pretty Paper. Pretty Paper was recorded in the downstairs, room number two. I can't even remember the name of the place, but I I got to see it with my own eyes. And surprisingly, they hadn't done anything to the room in 60 years. It was mostly a storage room at this point. It looked like kids had been playing basketball in there. But that was the studio where David Bowie did his first songs. The Moody Blues was basically invented in that room. So in one of the top 10 dumbest moves in the music business, someone passed on the Beatles in that room. Jimmy Page most certainly recorded in that room, as did just a a lot of classics. And that's the room where Roy Orbison recorded Pretty Paper. I'd always imagined what kind of place that was because I knew it was in London. It wasn't his normal studio, RCA Studio B in Nashville. But Fred Foster flew over and he took Bill Justice, an arranger, that was famous for the song Raunchy from Sun Records. When Roy was at Sun Records, he worked with Bill Justice and and Sam Phillips and Jack Clement. So for whatever reason, Fred Foster took Bill Justice, they went over there, arranged the strings, and that's almost another beginning for the RPO album. They got more strings, they got the local orchestra and a lot of them and filled up the room. And you can hear it on that Christmas song, Pretty Paper. That would have been recorded around December of 1963. And all these years later, Alex and Wesley and I went down there. We put on some Christmas hats, took some pictures, and did some interviews from that location. We did a lot of other fun things in the UK. Can't tell you all of them because it would just take too long. But we got to meet a lot of great people, a lot of old fans of Roy's, a lot of important business people. And so far, it's really clicking and connecting to a lot of people. 
Another aspect of this Roy Orbison with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra is the hologram tour. We've been getting a lot of questions about that. When we first thought about doing a tour with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and Roy Orbison, we knew we had a couple of different choices to make. We could put Roy on a screen in the back and isolate him, and that's a similar thing that they do with Elvis quite a lot, and I like that approach. But the people who do these holograms approached us, and we got the opportunity to, to combine the two projects. And so, beginning on April 8th, 2018, Roy Orbison will tour the UK again. It begins in Cardiff, Wales at the Motor Point Arena and then circles kind of clockwise all the way up through the Midlands and then plays Leeds and Manchester and the show is selling out quick and already is a pretty big success, ending up with two nights in London. The hologram looks really good. I've seen it. And the same thing that's been happening to your television sets the last 10 years has happened with these holograms. They started off doing Michael Jackson and Tupac Shakur, and there was like 700 pixels. Then it jumped to 1,400. These new holograms are 4,000 pixel HD holograms, and they could be even higher than that by the time we get to April. This kind of technology bodes really well for the future. As a music fan, I look forward to the day that maybe we could see Hank Williams or Louis Armstrong or even the Traveling Wilburys all together doing a show. Those, that's the kind of potential that these holograms have. And while it's kind of the icing on the cake and a little bit of an extra thing on top, it's on a bedrock of great songs that my dad wrote and his original voice played at full volume in these large auditoriums. Even in the dark, Roy Orbison's running scared at loud volume will bring tears to your eyes. With the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra playing live and the hologram walks out to the center of the stage, turns, and goes into Only the Lonely, we're sure it's going to be a treat and something really to look forward to. The tour is a global tour. It continues on after the UK to Holland and Be for one night. It continues on to Holland for one night, Belgium for one night, Germany for some nights, and ends up down in Australia and New Zealand with a nice run down there. There's going to be great t-shirts and merch. Can't wait to see all the things they're doing around this and meet everybody in, in the RPO and see the look on the fans' faces. I'll be coming to all these shows, and I hope to see you there. I think I'll come out during intermission to sign some autographs at the t-shirt stands and the concessions. But regardless, it should be a great time. And... I hope that everyone enjoys the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra with Roy Orbison. Be sure to check out RoyOrbison.com for dates and merch, and you can buy your copy of A Love So Beautiful there, or my site, Roy Orbison Jr., where I'm also selling the RPO album because I played on it. We have other goodies in there, too, to check out. My Roy Orbison Jr. hats. It's getting cold for the winter. Or if you're listening to this in the summer, you need a baseball hat to keep the sun out of your eyes. These are the hats that I wear myself. Thank you again. I hope everything's doing good out there for you and the world. And see you next time on Roy Orbison Jr.'s Rock and Roll Circus.